we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. This crusade, this war on terrorism, uh, is going to take a while. He came, he saw, he died. <laughs> we tortured some folks. Ladies and gentlemen, the pod is parked. Welcome to a very special edition of Dave vs. Goliath. It is episode 20, which is reason enough to celebrate because we made it. It only took about a year and a half, but we are going to do some special shit tonight. That's right. We are going to do what libertarians do the most of. We're going to uh, debate each other. That's right. Uh, Guys, tonight, uh, it's a special one. We'll get more to that in a second. But I just want to, um, please, if you are new to the show, please hit the like, subscribe, do all that cool stuff. Uh, If you're watching this on Facebook or Twitter, go ahead and share those links in some of your uh, favorite groups. That would be very helpful to get the word out. Uh, but tonight, guys, we are going to, uh, like I said, we are going to uh, uh, engage the LNC, and we are going to platform a couple of guys who are vying for the vice chair position on the LNC. They're both currently uh, at-large members, but with Reno coming up uh, at the end of the month here, this is an important discussion. So if you're asking yourself, Dave, why vice chair and not chair debate. I get it. One, Angela rejected my invitation. Just kidding. I'll try and get her on after the victory post Reno. No, we're doing the vice chair debate because this one is actually a contest. Show me uh, Angela's competition and we'll get those guys on here, but I just don't see it. This, uh, unlike that race, is contested and contested inside the Mises Caucus, which is very important to me, as you guys know as well. So um, yeah, we're going to hash this out tonight. Um, but I brought in some help with me, because I couldn't do it alone, had to add some legitimacy, had to bring in the big guns. So we got with us tonight, Amy Lapore. What's happening, Amy? How are you? Uh, you are muted currently. Got it. I'm, there it is. <laughs> I'm wonderful, and I appreciate you including me tonight. This is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Amy is the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Delaware, so I really can't think of uh, anything more appropriate than bringing in the vice chair to to kind of man this and, um, yeah, moderate the debate for us. So I really appreciate it, Amy. Yeah, thanks, and I'm happy to man it for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, guys, without any further ado, we're going to bring in the two candidates. We got Mr. Eric Rodsett. And my man, Joshua Smith there. What's Tell up? Us, thanks how for are having you? us. All right. Thanks for having us, brother. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, it's great that you guys are here. Um, I know that you've already had one debate, right? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Ish. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like the Cajun. I like the Cajun libertarian guy. He's pretty cool, but I, I don't know if he got real drunk before he did the show or what. But well, I, I'm, I keep it very responsible. I just smoke a shit ton of weed before the shows. That's what smart. We do, so. <laughs> smart. Yeah, that's what we do around here. Um, cool. So, guys, um, yeah, I do really appreciate you being here. I think this is an important discussion. Um, you guys want to be the number two, and uh, I think that that's an important gig. And um, so, yeah, we're going to hash it out here tonight, and um, I'm going to kind of take on a producer role here and watch the chats. I'm going to watch the timer, and uh, I might interject. I'll do some random fact-checking on you guys, so don't come at me with any bullshit, because seriously, I'm watching you. Uh, just kidding. I'm sure you guys will keep it legit. But, um, yeah, man, I will uh, hand it over to Amy to get us started. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dave and and Eric and Josh. Thank you both for being here. And and I'll let you know I've had a limited amount of gin tonight, uh, so I I commit to behaving myself and and to running a, a tight ship. Um, I'll just let everyone know who's watching uh, that a few days ago we shared an outline for this debate uh, with both candidates that included question one, um, which you'll hear shortly, and their opening statements will be in response to that question. After that. There'll be three questions that were either um, offered to us by, by people who are interested or that Dave and I thought were really important. So we'll ask those. Uh, and in each case, the candidates will be offered an opportunity to both uh, give their answer and then to respond to the other candidate. And we'll talk a little bit about what those time frames are for the questions as we get into the debate. Um, after those questions are asked, Dave will look to the chat. Uh, so if you have big burning questions for, for either or both of these candidates, please let Dave know. Uh, we might have an opportunity to ask a couple of those at the end. Um, I'll just say also we've spoken with both candidates and they both agreed to respect the timeframes uh, associated with the, the questions and the responses and they understand not to speak over each other. So I don't expect to do a whole lot of moderating, mostly just question, ask, question asking. And so thanks again to Josh and Eric for being here and, and we'll go ahead and get started. Again, the candidates have been given uh, question one and their opening statement will be in response to that. I'm gonna read that question uh, and Eric will respond first. Then Josh will give his uh, opening statement. Uh, both will be no longer than five minutes. And then each candidate will respond uh, to the other's statement. So we'll go ahead and get started if the candidates are ready. Sure. Good to go. Okay, I'm going to read that question. And then, Eric, we're going to put five minutes on the clock for you. So the question that Eric and Josh received was, in your opinion, what will be the Libertarian Party's role in American politics in 10 years? And what will your key contributions be as vice chair? Eric? So the Libertarian Party's role in 10 years primarily is going to be the common sense in the sea of hypocrisy that is the political landscape that we have in America today. We have two opposing parties that are becoming more and more similar in every single way. And the Libertarian Party is the only party that is standing head and shoulders by itself in our nation today. The Libertarian Party will become the driving force for liberty in our nation, driving home property rights, Austrian economics, cryptocurrency regulation, and deregulation, decentralization, and anti-war. We're going to be achieving local and statewide offices around the nation, making real change at the local level and at the state level where it's most impactful for the average American citizen. 
And we're going to be holding the other parties in America accountable. We're going to be the ones that are going to be setting the tone of the conversation in the United States in 10 years from now. But my role and my contribution in this is going to be building upon the existing structure in the Libertarian Party and making sure that it is functional for all the members of the Libertarian Party. We're going to be driving the systems for membership. We're going to be making sure that our membership grows larger and larger every single year, empowering the local and state affiliates. After all, we are a bottom-up organization. So that is where the true power of our party is, in our local and state affiliates. We're going to be distributing tools that already exist or calling for the development of new tools to make our local and state affiliates even more powerful and have the ability to communicate with each other to ensure that everyone is on the same page and using strategies that are working in other parts of the nation. And that communication is absolutely key. Of course, it's completely voluntary, but to know what works somewhere else is exceptionally powerful. And lastly, drive unity in the party. The caucus war has already gone on for too long. And while caucuses are important, definitely everyone needs to start working together. The only way that all of this works is if we start working together and driving forward liberty as a single unit. Thank you, Eric. Josh, we'll put five minutes on the clock for you. Go ahead and whenever you're ready to get started, you may. Would you like me to read the question again? No, I'm all set. I got Very it. Very good. And, and I didn't I didn't even prepare anything to your question at all. But I do want to start out by saying hello. My name is Joshua Smith. Uh, for those of you who might be watching that don't know me, I am an at-large representative. I've been on the National Committee now for four years, uh, almost done with my second term. Uh, I ran for chairman twice. Uh, and I spent a lot of that time as chairman trying to lay out a blueprint on how the party could be more successful. Um, and so for, for me to consider the party to be successful in the next 10 years, which is what I think that we can be, um, I think that the, the road is going to be very hard. It's going to be very bumpy. Um, and we're going to have to appeal to uh, uh, people who the two old parties just don't appeal to. Um, and that's that's the truth of the matter. We can talk about, first of all, I, you know, I'll, I'll rebut this with, with, with Eric, but the two old parties are not becoming the same. In fact, uh, they're, they're going further to the opposite direction. Um, uh, they do find a, uh, uh, they definitely find, um, bipartisan support on a lot of really bad things. Um, but, but to say that they're, they're the, uh, the same would be kind of like a logical fallacy in my opinion. Um, I think that there, there are some people on the right that we can definitely snub off. Um, uh, but for the most part, the people that are deeply entrenched in the, in the Republicans and Democrats, they're not going to come to the Libertarian Party no matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we change our abortion plank. It doesn't matter if we change our, our immigration plank. Uh, we have been unsuccessful. And so, um, to be successful, uh, we're going to have to tear down the way the party has thought uh, for 51 years. Um, we're going to have to get rid of our loser mentality and start to understand culture. And uh, and so, um, you know, that that's going to involve really reaching at the youth. Um, I think we need to start hitting the, the 18 to 25 year old market right now. Um, so when those people are 35, they're in the Libertarian Party and they're as deeply entrenched in the Libertarian Party as the Republicans and Democrats are now at 35 years old. Um, and, and the only way we're going to do that is to stop trying to appeal to the two old parties all the time. Stop trying to figure out how we can snub people off from the two old parties and start forging our own path. Um, that's going to include me as vice chair and something that I've laid out quite a bit over the last four or five years is uh, creating a very, very aggressive media plan. You know, um, 
the, the culture right now is raucous, man. I mean, people, people want you to speak up. They want you to, to be brave. And, uh, the party has not been brave for a long time. We've tiptoed around the, the COVID issue. We've tiptoed around, uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to speak about the Roe versus Wade stuff. We're not, they're just not going to put out messaging about any of the, the, the current culture stuff that's going on or any of the current policies that are happening right now. And so I want to, I want to lay out an aggressive media plan. I'm a decent media guy who's surrounded himself with wonderful media people like Dan Smots and Christian uh, Malzarte and Dave Casey and um, all these wonderful media people. And we should be making our own media. We should be, be putting out a bold, brave message that says we're, uh, you know, we're not going to stand fl- for the same stuff the two old parties do. And, and that's the only way we're ever going to get people who are uh, uh, who have opted out of the two old parties to look at us, to even give us a chance is to be brave on those issues, because there's a reason they're not a part of the two old parties. It was 50 over almost 60 percent of the population didn't vote for a presidential candidate in 2016. OK, and we got less than five million votes. We're not doing enough. We're not being brave enough. We're not being bold enough. We got to stop this, you know, this being offended by every single thing that happens. We need, then that's what the wars are over in the, in the party right now. It's not over caucus. It's not just caucus. It's that one part of this party wants to be brave and bold and is not going to sit back and, and, and wait to get invited to the champagne parties in Washington, DC. And the other party wants to say, well, we'll just take a little tiny bit of Liberty at a time so that they like us in DC and they don't like us in DC. You know, John Brennan went on national television and said, we, we're, we're domestic terrorists. They don't like us. They're never going to like us. We have to forge our own path. So I want to lay out an aggressive media strategy. I want to build media teams, people that can go out into the public and, and take media on behalf of the party. Um, I think that that's, that's going to be something that I focus a lot on. Of course, membership growth. Um, and I want to reach out to the, to the 18 to 25-year-olds. And I want those to be the people that, that uh, we build the new generation of the Libertarian Party with. And I think we can do that with a bold uh, message that's, that's unwavering and unapologetic and on every single current culture issue today. Um, and that's all I have to say. I'll yield the rest of my time. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you, Josh. So both candidates have given their opening statement. I'll look now to Eric. Um, we're just kind of going chronologically here. Uh, you have two minutes to respond, uh, to, to Josh's statement. Then we'll give Josh uh, an opportunity also to respond to yours. So we can put two minutes on the clock for Eric's response. You're muted, buddy. Thank you for catching that. Uh, no, the the big thing I think is uh, the the fact that we view the duopoly different. I mean, a lot of uh, I've been talking about bold messaging and and the importance of that as well. Uh, I've been talking about a lot of different aspects, and I agree with Josh on a, on a lot of what he's talked about. Uh, but when it comes to the old parties, yeah, okay, minor issues or, or individual issues that. There, there's a there's a difference, but when you look at the high level, they both want to control our lives more. One just wants it in one direction, and the other wants it in the other. So ultimately, they have the same mentality that they want to take away all of our freedoms and all of our liberties, and we need to make sure that the buck stops here and it doesn't go any further. And in fact, actually, we start re- uh, reversing the trend and increase liberty in our nation to where it needs to be, and that's total liberty and total freedom. Thank you, Eric. Josh, do you have a response? You have up to two minutes. And when you're responding, again, you're responding to the other person's opening statement as well. Sure. I, you know, when I say bold messaging, I mean, if, if, if you haven't seen the video that I put out during COVID um, and, and during the, 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 
when 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 they were talking about mandating this vaccine and, and saying that we were going to have to take it to keep our, keep our jobs and they were threatening our livelihoods, I stood up and boldly said, I'm not going to do this. And I, and I made a call for people to also not do this, to disobey, disobey your job, whatever it took to make sure that this thing didn't happen. Eric, you posted your vaccine card on your on your Facebook, buddy. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the difference in messaging when when I'm talking about these these things that are these these culture these cultural issues. We have to be brave and bold. And the party did nothing. I mean, they did absolutely nothing. They didn't put out a, a, any good press releases. They didn't put out any good uh, podcasts. They didn't do anything. Okay. And we can't be that party because then we just get left behind. We have to take a side on these issues and we have to be very bold in our principles. And, and the party hasn't done that. And I'm the guy who's been trying to do that from the LNC for the last four years. And I'm going to continue to do that once you give me the vice chair position. In fact, I'm going to be able to have a better opportunity to do it from there because I'll get more earned media. You know, and that position does get earned media, man. It happens. So those, th that's my thoughts on it. I, you know, I, I, we can argue all day about the duopoly. It's all, it's all a bumper sticker slogan at this point. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And we're not going to stop them until we build our own army of people in the libertarian party. And that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to move past opening statements now, but both of you have focused uh, somewhat on messaging. So I think we're going to stick a little bit with messaging and, and go into another question. Um, and when we when we have this question, uh, each of you will have three minutes to respond, but this will be structured a little bit differently as we have agreed upon. We'll have uh, a response. Josh will give a first response. He'll have three minutes. Eric will give, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Josh will give the first answer. He'll have three minutes. Eric will give a response. He'll have two minutes. Eric will have three minutes to answer and Josh will have two minutes to respond. So um, I'm going to read that question. And after I read that question, Dave, will put three minutes on the clock for Josh. Again, we're going to stay kind of on this topic of messaging. We heard from a lot of people it was important. And both of you have kind of reflected that in your comments already tonight. So I'm going to read that question for you, Josh, and I'll read it again for you uh, er later, Eric. So the LP failed to respond appropriately to COVID lockdowns and mandates. Whose fault is it? And what would you do to prevent it in the future? It's ours. I mean, it's the LNC's fault. The, the LNC is the bottleneck for all the information that comes out from the Libertarian National Party. I mean, that's, that's, that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. And even further down the bottleneck is the APRC. Okay, and the APRC is the the um, publication review committee. Basically, they 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 look over everything that we're putting out, and they either say yes or no. The only person that can circumvent the the APRC in the national uh, LNC is the the chair the chairman or chairperson. Um, so it was our fault, you know. And some of us, when we realized that the LNC wasn't going to do anything about it, we vehemently went out and and argued against it and fought against it. And even me uh, waited till about four days before I was going to get walked out of my job. Um, I organized my 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 division at work. We all stood up, said we weren't going to take the vaccine. That December seventh would be our last day. Um, and on December fourth, they ended the mandate for us. So I mean, this, I lived it. I lived the principles, right? But but the LNC. We, uh, Karen Ann Harlow's God, God bless her. I love her to death. She tried to, uh, put together a committee to address this stuff. The LNC shot it down. Um, it was, it's an LNC that does not want to bother the DC elite. They want to become them. And, um, I, we need an LNC that's gonna, that's gonna not be that. I mean, that's what we got to do. We got We got to have an LNC that is willing to, to tackle these cultural problems and these political problems head on boldly and bravely. Um, and it's, it's not about like putting the suit and tie on and, and sitting up on seeing, seeing it, uh, seeing it is failing. 
They're going tits up. I mean, it's, the, the, the mainstream media is failing everywhere because of this issue. And we had the opportunity to, to talk to some of our contacts, get, get on to places like Joe Rogan, Tim Pool. Um, and we could have done that as a, as a Libertarian Party. Our chair could have reached out and tried to do these things, and they didn't. They just simply fell flat. And so we need an LNC that's that's willing to rally behind uh, uh, the libertarian perspective on these issues, and and I, I I plan to make sure that our LNC does that as vice chair. And I think the you know in my opinion the Mises Caucus slate, uh, which neither Eric or I am on this year, um, and I, I want to make that clear. Uh, I I think that slate will get those things done, and and with uh, Angela at the helm and and me as vice chair, um, there's nothing we can't address publicly. So um, I trust all those people and I think it'll be a really, really good messaging committee. So that's what we got to do. We got to, we got to have, have bold, brave messaging and, uh, and we got to have a committee that's willing to go out and tackle those things head on and, and not worry about what, what kind of repercussions it's going to have on their political aspirations. Truly. All right. Thank you, Josh. And Eric, you have up to two minutes to respond uh, to what Josh has just said. You also have an additional three minutes to answer the question directly. Okay. So uh, Josh is, first of all, absolutely right in the fact that it's the LNC's fault. Uh, It's every single one of our fault that the messaging fell through and it fell flat. Uh, There's everyone to blame. Uh, People tried doing things individually uh, and it didn't get traction. It didn't get picked up by national for one reason or another. And it was absolutely atrocious. as far as solutions, and this is where Josh and I really differ, uh, because Josh wants uh, an LNC that's going to spearhead this. And like I said in my, uh, in my opening statement, we're a bottom-up organization. I want to empower our state and local affiliates to actually take on a large part of the mantle of messaging. You know, there's been great messages that have come uh, out of state and local affiliates all over the country, and we could have just rebroadcast those or or something, but the powers that be chose not to do that in this in this case, and that's really a shame because there were things coming up from from states that really would have filled in the gaps, but it never got taken on, and it's really unfortunate because. We we so missed the mark here. It's it's not even funny. Okay, thank you, Eric. And you do have an additional opportunity if you'd like to to respond here. There is time left. I can read the question again if you want to make sure that you have answered fully. I, I mean, that's really what I had to say, and it, it yeah. kind of played right off of Josh. So I mean, there I'll, I will yield the rest of the time. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to go into the third question now. I'm going to read the question, and and Eric, you will have the... Yes, Josh. We don't do rebuttals to these questions, right? Is that what's going on here? So if Eric does not give his... So he just rebutted your uh, oh, oh, your I answer, see. Okay. and he is choosing to forego the three minutes to answer the question. Lucky. You do have two more minutes on, you do have, well, I mean, this is an excellent point. So so Josh, essentially you do have two additional minutes in this block, in this question, if you want to use it on, on COVID response and messaging. No, I just kind of wanted to rebut what Eric said. So if I can't do that, then I won't. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So we'll move on though. And you both will have, have an ample opportunity. Uh, And so we're going to move on. And Eric, uh, you'll be responding to this question first. 
Josh, you'll have a, you'll he'll have three minutes. Josh, you'll have two minutes to rebut his response, and then you'll have an additional three minutes to give a fuller response. And then Eric will have an opportunity to respond to you. So we'll start with Eric um, on question number three, which is okay. The last year has been marked by attempted purges in the Libertarian Party. How will you, as vice chair, work to make sure that another New Hampshire, Delaware, Vermont, or Massachusetts does not happen again? Eric, you have three minutes on the clock. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Absolutely. Uh, purges are a huge problem in our uh in our party right now, as, as like you said, we've seen it in New Hampshire, we've seen it in Delaware, we've seen it in Massachusetts. Uh, all three of those, I've been right there at the for, uh, at the forefront with New Hampshire. I was there uh, with Angela, Michael Heiss, uh, Stephen Michaela. Uh, we were all together in Florida when when that was uh, breaking, and we were on top of it uh, with Delaware. Again, I was working behind the scenes uh, with Angela, with, with Heiss. We made sure that uh, we were bringing forward a lot of uh, uh, additional information. We were providing it to the people that needed it. Uh, and we were drafting leg uh, wording to make sure that that got submitted. Uh, with Massachusetts, I was the one who called for the, uh, for the meeting right off the bat. Make sure that there was no, uh, no hesitation in jumping right into it. Because our members are our party. If we're not protecting our members, we're not doing the, the proper job here. Uh, and it's a violation of bylaws that these states were doing, or, or, or even worse. And uh, the LNC, in those cases, absolutely need to stand up for, for our members. Uh, so I hope that this doesn't continue to happen. However, uh, quick response is absolutely vital and will continue to come from me and I'm sure from the, the rest of the board elect uh, to make sure that these types of situations don't go farther into the weeds and our members are protected and we can have a, a coalition and, and strength to, to move forward and protect our members. Okay. Thank you, Eric. So Josh, you have two minutes to respond to Eric directly, and then you also have the option of three additional minutes to give uh, a fuller answer. No, I have, I have no rebut. I just want to go right into my answer here, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. I So look, uh, during this cr these crises, as I'm going to call them, uh, New Hampshire, after afterwards, New Hampshire's Mises Caucus came out and endorsed me for vice chair. Uh, the Vermont has also, uh, Vermont's Mises ch uh, chapter has also uh, uh, endorsed me for vice chair. 94% uh, of the Massachusetts Mises Caucus has, uh, has also endorsed me for vice chair. So um, I, I, you know, I didn't do a lot of the behind the scenes work. Uh, I made sure I was very loud about what was going on. I was, I, I made sure that I brought the corruption to the forefront. Um, I wanted everyone to see what was going on in the party. And I, and, and the only way to accomplish that was to flail. I mean, that's really what I had to do. Um, I knew I wasn't going to win things on the board. And somebody asked in the chat earlier, Hey, why you're good at messaging? Why didn't Josh run for the APRC? Because this board would not have elected me to the APRC. I knew that. Um, in fact, 80% of the time I had a motion to bring to this board over the last two terms, I've had to give it to another LNC member. We've had a shitty board. 
I mean, I'm going to say it as plain and simple as possible. In fact, in, in 2018 to 2020, um, I, I, thought, I thought the next board could get no worse, and it did. It got worse. Um, and and that's, that's saying a lot because Nick Sarwark was the chair uh, 2018 to 2020. It got worse. Um, there's a reason why these Mises caucuses, uh, state, uh, states that have gone through these purges, a lot of their people are endorsing me and it's because I, I worked my ass off very loudly, very proudly and, and bravely, uh, the way that I do to, to try and fight for, for these caucus, for these, these, these states that we're having members purged, um, going forward. And we're just going to say, I'm just going to say it uh, as, as boldly and plainly as possible. Uh, if you elect the Mises caucus state or, or LNC slate, they're not. They're not going to allow this purging to happen. I mean, if the, if if nobody's vi- violating bylaws and somebody's removed for cause, that's a part of our party. That happens. That's been happening for years. But if you just unilaterally try to remove forty-seven members of a party, um, the Mises Caucus uh, slate is not going to let that happen. And that's what's going to take. You guys are going to have to get rid of these old, you know, these old guard prags that that uh, are are not bold and brave because they don't want you here. And they're going to fight. They've showed it over the last four years. They will do everything they can to try and steal this party and keep this party away from you because they don't want you to have, uh, don't want you to have any power here. Because if you take power, you might make the party successful. And and I don't know what I don't know what their problem is, but we have to have a board that is willing to stand up to bullies. And uh, I think that the slate, the the only way that's going to happen is if you guys elect what the slate that the Mises Caucus is putting out right now. That's it. Thank you, Josh. And Eric, you have up to two minutes to respond to Josh. As he stated, that was his his full answer to the question. So um, my only response is that we we both have the same goal, that we don't want these purges to happen. Our methodology on how to fix it is vastly different. If you look at Josh, he as he said, he's loud and he's thrashing and he, he's making a ruckus. I'm behind the scenes. I'm, I'm getting the work done and I'm working with the people that need to get the work done. So yeah, absolutely. Josh, you you got the, the endorsement of, of New Hampshire and, and a lot of people in, in Massachusetts. That's, that's great because you're loud, but the people on the ground who know the work that's been done, that's the different story. Yeah, okay, granted, I don't toot my own horn. I'm not loud about what I've gotten accomplished. But ultimately, I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes quietly that gets these issues towards resolution. So that will close out our responses to question number three, but I think that moving into what is our last prepared question, Dave. So I'll stop right here and ask Dave, are you seeing any questions in the chat that we'll ultimately be able to ask? You're muted, buddy. Excuse me. Uh, I think these guys are still having a lot of fun in the chat, mostly chatting with each other. So yeah, guys in the chat, let's hear some real questions for these two candidates. Yeah. We'll, we'll get started on our last question then, and then... Can I, Amy, if it's cool, absolutely. Host, host privilege, can I interject a question? Absolutely. Everybody yeah, cool we'll with go that? With, yeah, we'll go with the same structure, and so Josh will give a, an answer. I think we're on Josh as a... <coughs> yeah. Day. Cool. Guys, um, um, yeah, real quick, I guess we'll do, what, two minutes or three minutes for... It will be three minutes for okay. a first response, but I... Th- 
And that first response will be Josh this time. That would be great. Actually, yeah, it's, it's the same question for both candidates, but um, it involves you, Josh, so I wanted to ask you first anyway. And I hope, you know, you don't take offense to this, but I would like to know, and I bet some people would like to know why the Mises Caucus, in your, in your view, why the Mises Caucus didn't endorse you this time. Sure. Boy, that's, I mean, it's all, it's, it's a lot of it's going to be speculation at this point. Um, I know that, that, you know, that, uh, Angela's running for chair and she's picked Eric as her running mate. Um, uh, I know that they want to try to have some kind of olive branch branch solution, uh, to the party. Um, uh, maybe it's cause I ran for chair and lost twice. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could, spe- it's all speculation. I, I, most of it is speculation. I know that the Eric thing is true, of course. Um, but, and I get it. I'm, I'm not interested in, in offering olive branches. I'm v- I've been very clear about it. Every olive branch that we've offered to people who, uh, have attacked us and attacked us over the last five years has, has blown up in our face. So I've burned every olive branch I had to keep me moving, man. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I want to work with reasonable people. Period. That's it. Uh, I will not work with the, the the unreasonable people, and they can either leave or get in the back seat. And I've been very clear about that. Um, I've watched them drag their feet. I've watched them be corrupt. I've watched them call m- me personally Nazi, deadbeat dad, uh, welfare recipient, couch surfer. Um, I've watched them actually go after my family in real life. Uh, I've watched them do terrible, horrendous things, and I have no sympathy for them. I don't want to give them all branches. I want them to leave or get in the back seat. And so um, if that's not, you know, that was the, the, the mission when I started with the caucus was, was takeover, full scale. And I know that we've, you know, a lot of people have dialed that back, but I'm still on that same mission. I want a party that's going to be successful, and I don't think the people that have been in power in this party for the last uh, at least two decades um, are getting it done. And so I want to see uh, uh, people take those positions from them and, and do the right thing with them. And so um, I, I don't know entirely, um, but I do, I do believe that I have uh, the support of a lot of state Mises caucuses and, and uh, uh, a ton of the delegates and, and members of the caucus. So, No doubt. Um, yeah, Eric, same, same question, man. Why, we're all members of the Mises caucus here, so we can be open with each other. Why do you think that the Mises caucus chose not to endorse Josh this time. Why do they chose not to endorse Josh? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, Josh is right. Angela wants me on her ticket. Uh, and that went a long way. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, state leadership that, uh, wants to see me as the, uh, as the vice chair. There's a lot of state leadership that wants to see Josh as the, uh, as the vice chair. Uh, and because the Mises caucus couldn't come up to a, a consensus, uh, they decided not to have uh, an endorsement one way or the other. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the strengths of the Mises caucus is the fact that it does listen to the members. It does uh, acknowledge that there is uh, there is a difference. And that's fine. That's great. I mean, it's not about identity politics. You know, I mean, it, that's plank seven of the Mises caucus. Uh, if you look at, you know, the takeover aspect of it, you know, I mean, the takeover means solid leadership for the whole party, not just Mises. I mean, we are running for the LNC. And that's why I believe I'm the right position for uh, in the right position for the vice chair, because I can objectively remove myself uh, from 
from just the solid one Mises line and actually uh, work with other people. And I have a track record of that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's really what it boils down to. All right. Cool, man. Uh, my question for you, what did you mean when you said happy birthday to Joe Bishop? <laughs> what do you really mean by that? Happy. I'm birthday. just joshing with you, bro. I'm just playing. We don't know. I'm just, it's all good. Absolutely. I've already forgiven you for that. <laughs> just playing, man. We got to keep it lighthearted in here. Um, no, honest question though. Um, You'd mentioned, and I and I knew this. Um, it's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to everybody here, and and you specifically. I know Josh really well. I know Amy really well. But um, yeah, you you come with the. You've been highly recommended by Angela McCardle and Michael Heiss, and I really respect both of those people. I have love for Michael Heiss. He's one of my favorite people. Um, so yeah, I did some. You know, the due diligence, man. I saw your interview with. Uh, or the Oregon guys, the Florida guys, I wanted to know about you. Um, is that is that enough? Should that be enough for a Mises caucus, a delegate, that it's Angela's pick and that should be good? No, I don't think that's the only factor. Uh, I think that should weigh into your decision because, you know, you want Angela to have the team that she wants. Uh how does she define success? So that should actually, yeah, I totally be part of it. But is that the only thing? No, uh, it, it should go deeper than that. Who do who represents you as part of it as well? I'm I'm under no illusion that I'm I'm going to have a hundred percent of the Mises Caucus support me, uh, and I almost don't want a hundred percent of the Mises caucus to support me. And the reason I say that is because again, that goes back to identity politics. I don't want people to vote for me because I'm part of an organization. I want them to vote for me because I'm the right choice in the party that they see going forward. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, would I love your support? A hundred percent. But I, I think it's much more than just the fact that Angela wants me on her team or, or Michael Heiss has, has said that I'm a great person to work with and, and that I have results and, and I really put in the effort and all. Yes, that, that speaks to my character. That speaks to, to what I can accomplish. But that shouldn't be the only factor. Good answer. Cool. I'm good. Yeah, Dave, those were those were excellent questions. And I think I think I want to I want to do a follow up question. Um, and then, Dave, maybe we can look to the chat and see mm -hmm. if and see if there's anyone there who has questions for for either or both candidates um, and have less of a question and more of an opportunity that I'd like to offer to each of you. So I think for each of you, we'll put three minutes on the clock, Max. And and tonight I want to give you um, an opportunity uh, to speak to directly Mises Caucus members. So you're both here presumably because there is some level of support in the Mises Caucus for your candidacy. There are many Mises Caucus members who will be delegates in Reno. So tonight I wanna give you each an opportunity to speak directly to those members who are delegates and tell them why you deserve their vote in Reno. And I think we are Going with the first response with, with Eric right now. So, Eric, up to three minutes. Why, why vote for you? So, why vote for me? Well, 
I'll go through the the Mises uh, platform. First is property rights. I'm a staunch advocate for private property and for the ability to migrate government property into personal property. I believe in, in strong Austrian economics. I've, I've gone over in many different uh, arenas why Austrian economics is, is the best form of economics, uh, why it actually takes into account so many more aspects that the, the current system of economics that we prescribe to in this country doesn't. Uh, I've talked about cryptocurrency and alternate forms of currency in the barter system and why, uh, why those are far better than, uh, than the oligarchy's money. Now, which plays into plank three. Decentralization uh, is absolutely uh, key because we can't survive much longer under a strong federal model. It's not allowing our country to prosper anymore. We have runaway inflation. We have uh, edicts and dictates coming down from on high telling people on how to live and what choices they can make. Uh, plank five is war. And my God, if we're we're looking at uh, the potential of being dragged into World War Three right now and it's everyone's just flirting with their toes in the water and it scares the crap out of me. We need an we need a libertarian party that is strong in anti-war, making sure that we follow the 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 original dictates of this country, that we don't have entangling alliances. Uh, plank six lifestyle choices. Who cares what you do if, if it doesn't impact anybody else? If it doesn't violate the property rights of others, why are you even concerned? You know, when the door closes, what you do is your business. Uh, identity politics. Yeah, I, I'm totally against identity politics. And the fact that we're falling into this political landscape that's destroying this country is just an, another example of why our early founding fathers were absolutely right and political parties will destroy our, our country. But unfortunately, the system that we have currently forces us to go into political parties to actually disassemble the system. And it, it's those are the reasons. That's the platform of the Mises Caucus right there. And those are the aspects that I'm strong on and that I'm fighting for. And I want to see our candidates around the country fight for. Thank you, Eric. Josh? Why should the Mises Caucus members vote for me? Well, for starters, I don't have to sit here and read out the platform. You guys all know my principles 100%. Uh, because I've been around since the very beginning of the caucus, right? Uh, when, when we were 55 people strong in a, in a Facebook group and we didn't have any fundraising, we didn't have any state parties, we didn't have uh, Dave Smith and, 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 and Scott Horton and all these great podcasters, we didn't have membership, we didn't have state organizers, we didn't have any of that. We had nothing. And when we had nothing, I took the caucus on my back like a target, and I traveled to 50, almost 50 states over the last four years for the caucus. I literally laid the groundwork. I, I was the number one uh, recruiter and fundraiser on the, in, in the entire national party for almost two years because of the work that I did for this caucus, because I went and spread the word of the caucus around the country, because I made the phone calls, because I showed up on the shows and I spoke at events. And no one has to ask me what my principles are. Everyone in this caucus knows that I support those principles. 
But I've done the work. I laid the groundwork for this entire thing. I was the bullseye. I was the target. I was the one who took the attacks on my family, the attacks on my jobs, literally. I mean, I was the guy. I was the face. And now I'm asking you to support me after all the work that I put in over the last five years for the caucus specifically. And I don't think that that should be a controversial issue. If you're here in this caucus, in this party, there's a good chance that something I did had something to do with that. And so I'd appreciate your support after the work that I've done over the last five years for the caucus. Um, I'm not telling you you have to support me, but that's definitely why you should, because I can get the work done and I've proven it over the last five years. So I'll yield the rest of my time. Thanks. Thank you, Josh. Thank you both for your responses to those questions. And Dave, if we have anything from the chat, we can ask. Think you're muted. Thanks, guys. Really boomering it up over here. We'll get there. Um, yeah, give me just one second here. Okay. Um, yeah, people had some questions about the Roe v. Wade stuff, so I figured we could talk about that. Um, from quite a few people, actually. <laughs> they really want to know. So, yeah, but basically, um, you know, we can shout out the couple people that brought it up. But, um, yeah, they want to know what the Libertarian Party position on the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade should be. Let's try to keep our responses to about two minutes per person so we can get through a couple of these questions. We have not had time issues at all. Yeah, but we'll kind of keep a loose structure so we can get through a couple of these. Should we start with Eric on that one? I think Just we start with Josh. I oh, think Eric me, started. Sorry, one more time. Question. Uh, so what should the Libertarian Party position be on the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade? Well, look, there's then there's going to be there's people in this party that are going to be really upset to know that I'm a pro I'm a pro life guy, right? Um, and I am, and 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 I I don't think that uh, it's moral or good or and to kill a baby um, at ten weeks that has a heartburn uh, a heartburn. Sorry, I had a little bit of Taco Bell earlier. No, uh, that has a heartbeat um, and can grow to be a living human being. So um, I I'm I am a pro life person uh, personally. Um, I think that this party needs to just ditch that plank entirely, get rid of it, not talk about it anymore. It's been a wedge issue in this party for a long time. Uh, it only serves to keep us separated, and we have no uh, p uh, political effect on it whatsoever. Zero. Nothing. Um, we, it's, it's the same with the immigration debate, right? It, we, can, we can have these personal gripes about it, but at the end of the day, no libertarian is in any position to do anything about immigration or abortion. Um, so I, the Roe versus Wade thing for me, I think, I think we need to just take a step back from abortion talk in the party period, plain and simple. It's not something that we need to put at the top of our list when we go out and message. Uh, there's, there's, you know, we can put out a statement that, you know, the part, the party supports this or that, or this and that, but I just don't, I just don't think, uh, you know, I don't think the party needs to be a party that's seen as, uh, supporting murdering babies. And so putting out a strong message, condemning the overturning of Roe versus Wade is not a good idea. Um, and I do think that it should be a state's issue. You know, it should be kicked down to the States. You know, libertarians are always talking about how, how you should be able to vote with your feet, you know, community to community. Um, this gives us a, a bigger opportunity to vote with our feet instead of having a federal, uh, legislative bo body tell everybody uniformly what they have to do or can't do. Um, so I think that that should be our message on it. You know, it's, it's better at the state level. 
Uh, if you could get it down to the county level, municipal level, even better. So that's that's how I look at it. Eric? Well, amazingly enough, I mean, I'm a little more pro-life or uh, well, pro-choice than, than Josh is, but my response is almost identical. Uh, this is a wedge issue uh, for the party. Uh, it's a wedge issue in America. And the libertarian solution is get rid of Roe uh, Ro v. Wade or allow it to fall and allow states to make the decision or allow individual communities to make the decision and allow Americans to vote with their feet or where they're buying homes or all of that. I, that's It's the freedom of association in the United States, and it's one of the tenets of, of America, and it's one of the tenets of the Libertarian Party, and it's absolutely the direction that we need to go. Uh, so while Josh and I come at, at, the, uh, at the surface issue a little differently, the end result is exactly the same. Thank you both. Nice. What uh, else do you have, Dave? So, yeah, let's get to the young buck, the road to Providence. David Brady wants to know, what do you think the roles of the vice chair are? Is it an administrative position or other? I've heard you guys talk about that a little bit, um, and it seems like you guys have maybe differing ideas on on what the role is. Is is it set in stone, or do you plan to change it? What do, what do you think? Is it, is it Eric first or me first this time? Yeah. yeah, Eric can give a first response to this question. So, I mean, that depends on, I, well, first of all, I would like to see it become uh, put into our bylaws to actually clarify what the position of the vice chair is and to actually give it uh, a, a, a more defined role in, in what the vice chair is going to do. As it currently stands in our bylaws, it's, it's the position that serves to assist the chair uh, and to take on what the chair can't do. Uh, one of the things that the next term is going to have and, and working with Angela's plan is that the vice chair is going to take on a more operational aspect uh, of the party. Uh, that's where she has communicated to me that that's what she wants the vice chair to to take on. And that's why I've come up with an operations plan that that. Uh, sits next to Angela's strategic plan. So uh, the next term is going to have a, a vice chair that's a much more operationally minded uh, because that's what Angela has determined in her strategic plan is what she needs the, the vice chair to, uh, to undertake. Thank you, Eric. Josh, do you need the question again? Nope, I got it. Okay. Uh, I think it's I think it's a uh, I think it's detrimental to think of the vice chair role as an admin role or an operational only role. Um, the vice chair has to take over for the chair if the chair does anything from go to the bathroom to die. Okay, um, the, and and to bog the vice chair down in paperwork and administrative stuff that the staff is supposed to be doing uh, would just be ridiculous. It'd be absolutely uh, detrimental to that role. Um, the, the, the vice chair needs to be able to take on the roles of the, the, the duty of the chair. 
that's what you need to be able to do. Um, and so if you're bogged down in a, a million other things, it, it'd be terrible. Now, the vice chair has an opportunity, just like everybody else on the board, to bring motions, proposals, uh, work on their own projects. Um, they work a little closer with the chair. So I think that your projects kind of get, you know, get, get moved up in the queue. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I like the vice chair role. I think that, um, you know, the, the projects that I think will help make our party more successful, um, I can work on those and, and work closely with Angela on getting them accomplished and bringing them to the board. Um, but I also have run, I have actually chaired conventions, right? Um, I, I studied Robert's rules for five years straight thinking I was going to be the chair of the party. And uh, that that's the kind of stuff the vice chair needs to be ready for. You know, we, we saw at the 2020 state convention or national convention, Nicholas Sarwark flat out rejected uh, chairing the convention. And Alex Merced had to step up and do three days of chairing it. That's what the vice chair needs to be ready for, not bogged down in, in, in operational work that the, that the staff is paid to do. That would just not be, that wouldn't be smart. Now, if, if, listen, I, I work with spreadsheets at work all day. If, I, if the chair needs me to do a spreadsheet or two, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I know how to use Word, all, all the Microsoft Office stuff. Um, I, I, I do a lot of it. That's fine. And that's things that, that, that everybody on the board should be doing anyways. Um, but this, this, this uh, fallacy that the, the, the vice chair role has is, should be an operational administrative role is just, it's flat out wrong. Um, the last two vice chairs prior to this term both got uh, more earned media than the chair did. Um, they, you know, it's, this is how it works. Um, and, and we need to be ready for that. And we need a vice chair that's going to be ready for that as well. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Uh, next question, if we're cool on time, uh, is from the mighty Bill Hines. Uh-huh. Chairman of the LP of Delaware, uh, he wants to know how would uh, you prioritize the LNC budget to uh, get that back on track? Not exactly fiscally conservative at the moment, huh, guys? <laughs> what do you think? And, and Josh will give a first response to that this time. Sure. They have completely entirely messed the budget up this term. Um, I, I I was really actually hopeful in the beginning of this term uh, with Joe Bishop Henchman and and Richard Longstreth working on the budget. Um, they're budget guys. That's what they do. Um, and they really worked hard to cut a lot of the fat out of the budget and get us kind of like right at the line. So we weren't in the black. And I thought that's how this board was going to run. And then I was just entirely wrong. Um the the chair and the chair and the treasurer sit down and go over the budget. They're the ones who come up with almost all the budget proposals, um, and, and they bring to the board. And then the board kind of goes back and forth. Uh, a lot of that, some of that's an executive uh, session. Can't talk about it. Staff salaries and stuff like that. Um, and so, so the budget is is a is an idea that the entire board works on. But the initial proposals are brought forth by the chair and the treasurer together. Um, and I'm and to. To truth be told, I'm I'm willing to work with uh, whoever is the chair, especially Angela, uh, to to further the budget in any way she wants it to go. Um, I'm not the I'm not the financial guy. You know what I mean? That's the treasurer and that's the uh, the chair. That's their job. And so um, I, I'm willing to. I, I definitely want to see us get back into a positive, um, and and I think that that can be accomplished pretty quickly uh, when, at the start of the next term uh, by just cutting out a few little things um, and and putting a bigger focus on membership. I've, I've said that for five years. Uh, we can beef our, our, our uh, budget way up if we put a bigger focus on membership. So um, that's going to be my role in helping the budget is, is fundraising and, and membership uh, uh, recruitment. So um, after that, we'll there'll be the chair and the treasurer at our budget, at our budget meeting. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Eric? So 
there's a lot of things that we can definitely get done uh, as far as budget cons- uh, budget aspects. Uh, there's a lot of things that we have in the Libertarian Party that we're wasting money on. Uh, we're doing it the old way, uh, ways that we started doing it in the 90s, and, and we're doing it the same way now, uh, and it's just not cost-effective. There's new technology out there. There's new providers of these services, uh, and we're spending a lot of money on tools and, and systems that we're not getting the, the return on, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, so those are aspects that we can bring the, the budget back uh, and in, in control. On top of that, you know, just like uh, Josh was saying, membership is absolutely key, uh, just for the simple fact that the more members we have, the more money we have coming in. Um, also, making sure that we're starting to solicit micro-donations from all of our uh, members really hit up the money bomb. Uh, Tell our donors what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, Constant communication. Every single email that we have going out uh, should be asking for for funding. Uh, It is, but it's not doing it effectively. Um, And that's a huge problem. Fundraising is definitely a a hole that we have in this this, uh, party, and we're just not doing it the right way and there are plenty of models that we can actually mimic that we should be mimicking and we're not. Thank you, Eric. Cool. Uh, Next question we got from my man Daniel. Um, Going back to the Roe v. Wade stuff a little bit. Do you support deleting and I guess the abortion plan? Do you support deleting and replacing it with nothing? Um, Yes or no is all he's really looking for on that one. Sorry, who's up? Eric, do you want to respond first? I think it is a yes or no question. Sure, yes. Josh? Um, Yes. All right. Nice. Uh, Yeah, let's see here. I don't know how many more questions we have for the guys. Wait. Let's see. I'm just going to click it before I even read it, so bear with me. It's from the Young Buck again. For Josh, what do you say to people who have concerns over your ability to dedicate time for the positions... Uh, and for Eric, do you think that any of your previous statements on issues like gun control uh, is that an incomplete thought? Yeah, it looks like an incomplete thought. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about your previous thoughts on gun control, Eric? <laughs> uh, it's my turn first. This yeah, time, sorry, right? go ahead. Um, uh, well, I've, I've already cleared this up several times. Yes, I have a lot of kids and I have a full-time job. And, uh, and I'm also running a state rep campaign that you know, I won't really dive into until after national convention. I've started to fundraise and we've raised uh, some good money already. And, uh, we got some campaign materials and obviously signatures and, and, and support in the community, which is important. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I've, I've stressed this very clearly. I, I work, uh, 14 of every 28 days. It gives me 14 days off a month. Um, I have tons of time to dedicate to this. If you can't tell by my Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a wonderful stay-at-home uh, uh, fiance who who is more than happy to stay home with the kids when I need to go and do liberty stuff. So um, I have plenty of time. I, I I'm more uh, secure now than I ever was the two times that uh, the the caucus supported me for chair of the national party. So that's saying a lot. Um, I, I I'm more equipped now than I ever was uh, when you guys supported me for chair twice. So 
uh, I hope you take that into account. I definitely have the time. I'm definitely interested in uh, doing the work and uh, I'll be there. I think there was also a question for Eric. Yes, it was in regards to uh, my previous statements on, on uh, 2A. Uh, to kind of unpack that for a moment, the, the, uh, the question that I responded to was from the Indy News. Uh, it's one of the most liberal papers in all of North Carolina, uh, and most of its readers are exceptionally liberal, if not socialist. Uh, this question was submitted at the back in 2018 during the height of school shootings around the nation. Everyone was calling for more control, gun control in Durham, Republicans and Democrats alike. It was very radical to say no new gun laws at the time. Uh, it was also a little bit of a, a, a tricky statement. And the reason I say that is because I said that we must enforce the laws that exist before we expand to new laws. Well, and I also brought up requests and laws and the FBI database for a very important reason, because the only way to become compliant with those was to write new gun laws. And if my promise is not to write any until we become compliant, it's a catch-22 and there's no possibility of new gun laws. Anything that brings us closer to freedom and not further away is exceptionally important. And in my district, in my uh, in my race, uh, Durham wasn't ready for constitutional carry or or anything like that. So, selling liberty to the average citizen, you have to know your voter, and that's exactly what this statement is. It was going on here, and and ultimately, it was the strong point of no new gun laws, and that's. Uh, Really uh, having that stance with everything that was going on nationally is really what bumped me down from second to third in my race. Uh, every data point until the Republican and the Democrat came out hard in the support of new gun laws uh, is really what what took me as a, as a nosedive in my race. And I was trying to hold the line uh, with the voter and it wasn't good enough. And that was really what the, what the huge problem was. Okay. Thank cool. you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Uh, all right. From Anthony Portillo. Portillo. Can you explain uh, why issue planks are necessary when libertarianism is inherently about the rights of the individual? We'll have a response first from, I have lost track. My goodness. I think we have a response. It's first. there. It's there. Gonna, yeah. Okay. Thank yeah, you. There, can, can you put the question up one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Boom. Can you explain why issue planks are necessary when libertarianism is inherently about the rights of the individual? Well, issue planks should be written to ensure that we are defining that it is the individual's choice. Uh, when it comes down to anything, uh, we basically have to say that the individual is the most important minority of one, uh, and it is the individual's choice to make those choices. And issue planks are also very important in telling the government to get the hell out, excuse my language, uh, but that's important. You know, uh, when it comes to uh, ending the drug war, 
that's important as an issue plank. And it goes on and on from there, uh, making sure that we're upholding Second Amendment rights, making sure that we're upholding the uh, ability to redress grievances uh, against the government, making sure that you have the freedom of religion, making sure that you have the freedom of, of speech, the freedom of press, straight down the Bill of Rights. So we have to come out strong with issue planks to make sure that the uh, old two old parties aren't continuously trying to erode the rights, freedoms, and uh, the uh, individualistic nature of the American citizen. Thank you, Eric. Josh? Sure. Um, uh, do you want me to ventriloquist through Eric? Should I do that? Oh, excuse I'm me. I'm sure Dave will <laughs> That's, okay. That's all right, Dave. That's all right, buddy. That's all right. Let's do that. Thanks. Uh, uh, this answer is really, uh, really concise and clear. They aren't. Um, they absolutely aren't. And, and, and our platform has served to uh, just keep us fighting on convention floors for uh, 51 years. Um, they're not. They're simply not. I don't think I don't I don't put any stock into uh, uh, issue plank platforms. I it's you know at the end of the day the the person who's really messaging our platform uh, to their communities are our local candidates and our our statewide candidates. Um, those are the voices that really matter when it comes to telling people what we believe in, um, and and that's how it should be. I, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to us just having a statement of principles like any other organization, you know. Um, but the, the, I, I digress. The party enjoys their platforms. They enjoy arguing over commas in their platforms, and they're probably going to do it for another 100 years. Um, that's just how it's going to be. So um, as long as we have those platforms, I'd like them to reflect a, an unapologetic libertarian stance on, on what we stand for. So, um, But they're not. They're not necessary. I think they, they just, uh, they're just fodder for war on convention floors, man. And that's it. Thank you, Josh. Absolutely. Cool, guys. I think that we might be running short on uh, on questions from the audience here. Um, Amy, would it be cool, would it be appropriate, I should ask you, if I ask Eric a question uh, based on one of the questions we've already heard? I think so. I think absolutely we'll just provide Josh an opportunity to respond. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I saw this was uh, brought up on the Cajun Libertarian debate you guys did, and um, about the about the comment you made on the uh, the two A stuff when you were when you were in your race in 2018. So uh, Eric, when I saw that man, I I actually I had some sympathy for you because I was thinking, all right, if I lived in a blue district and I was running for office, what wh what would you say? And you know, it was quick pace. I can understand all these things. And hey, yeah, like you said, it's heavy blue, maybe even like leaning socialist. So I'm I'm trying to like understand where you're coming from with the answer that you gave, which was, hey, we need to enforce the gun laws on the books before we write any new gun laws. Mm -hmm. And would you, would you say now that that was at least perhaps uh, worded, that you could have worded that better? Because or, or, it sounds like you want to enforce the gun laws, which is not, that's not terribly libertarian. But, right. Right. but I, I understand what you might have been trying to say to them, like, hey, no new shit. Because we already have all these things. So I'm, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt there. But at the end of the day, when we're fighting for 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% of the vote, isn't this what we're talking about when we talk about the bold messaging that is required? Like, even if it is uncomfortable, 
You just have to say, I know you guys might not be ready for this, but yeah, every single infringement is, is should be null and void, and you all should be able to have all the weaponry that the military should be able, can have. Is that is that fair? It's it's absolutely fair, uh, and I wish I did word it differently. Uh, the biggest thing is that everyone's looking at the first sentence, and the the statement needs to be taken as a whole. Because I start talking about the FBI database and we are not in North Carolina. We report 70% of what the, the FBI wants to see. And the only way to actually to enforce that, to make it higher, would be to write new gun laws. So I was basically trying to do political double talk uh, for the for the better or worse of it uh, and try to appease the individuals out there uh, on this particular issue. This wasn't even an issue that I was running on. Uh, I was running on ending uh, occupational licensing uh, in the state of North Carolina. I was, uh, I was running on uh, education and having real education choices instead of a, 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 cruddy charter bill school that would have actually basically made charter schools as part of the public education system. Um, I was running on getting industry involved in education and getting kids into trade schools and, and a lot of other things and, and gun rights. I knew from the very beginning that there was no appetite for it. This was one aspect of liberty that, that my district was not ready for. And there were multiple school shootings. There was a major shooting at a housing community uh, that was right here in Durham. Uh, ended up with like six kids dead and, and some adults as well. And it changed the entire conversation uh, to be extremely hostile to anything that was two a you know uh, pro two a uh i was the only one talking about no new gun laws uh and grassroots north carolina which is a local gun organization or a second amendment rights organization had me rated as absolute highest out of the uh other candidates including the republican and the democrat eric you've uh, gone just so you know you've gone just past your two minutes you okay, can wrap I'll, it up I'll, quickly i'll wrap up right here uh, so grassroots North Carolina acknowledged that I was the, the number one candidate on, on gun rights in the district. I was trying to have uh, language that individuals could find slightly appeasing uh, or, or appealing to them, uh, but it, it, it missed the mark, and, and I'll admit that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Josh, we can give you equal time to respond uh, and, and comment on maybe how you would have handled the situation, comment on how Eric did, uh, and, and really it's it's what its meaning might be uh, for the party as we move forward. Uh, Eric used about two and a half minutes, and, and you have the same amount of time. I'm sorry. I, I kind of tuned out there because I'm not going to listen to somebody uh, justify why they weren't proud about our principles. Can't do it, man. I'm sorry. It, it really, it's hard. It's hard for me to deal with. I listen, our party is our party. Uh, our candidates are largely media tours. I mean, that's what a lot of our elections and, and can and candidates do. Um, and that's our one opportunity to tell the public what we believe in. 
and how we can change it and enrich their lives uh, by getting into office. And I'm never, ever going to back down uh, from my principles, no matter what, at any point ever. So um, that's it for me, man. That's it. If I may, I just kind of want to put a cap on that. And this is just my opinion. I'm editorializing because that's, that's my name right there. Um, I think that, Eric, I think what you were trying to do was appease everyone. And in doing so, you, you didn't meet the standards of either group. That's just my opinion. But like, if you were running as the libertarian, it's, I hate to I sound like a broken record, but bold. Like we just have to do it, even if it's uncomfortable. I, I, that's just my opinion. But um, I do appreciate you saying that. And, um, you know, we're not going to win those Democrats over. They're never going to be our friend, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and it's, it again, wasn't especially just Democrats, though. It was the Republicans, too. The Republicans wanted uh, to expand the, uh, the, the licensing. Uh, they wanted uh, between 30 and 60 day mandatory wait periods. It, it was... There was nobody. I was the only one that was talking about no new gun laws. But in a in a world where we're not quite ready for prime time, and we're not, I, I could be wrong. I'm not speaking for you, but if if again, we're just trying to get those couple percentage points. We're not we're not a real contender to win that race yet, right? So why why water it down? I think that, and I'm only pushing this because I think this is really the tip of the spear. This is really where the argument is. Well, we gonna- so prior, so I had, I was working with high schools uh, and they were doing polling data. I was working with AP government students and uh, we were, we were drafting polls and, and everything. So in a three-way race prior to all the gun right issues coming out, uh, according to the polls that we were running, and I had faith in them, I was pro- approximately 26%. So I was within striking distance. That's really good. And then I said, no new gun laws. And I went down to five. So so you got you double-backing it up. That was the right decision then, right? <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, sure. it, it, was, it was gone. I mean, I had people lining up at my booth when I was talking about stopping uh, uh, police checkpoints, I had people lining up on my booth uh, talking uh, when I was talking about uh, ending occupational licensing. Then I said no new gun laws and it was like the toilet flushed. So instead of being within striking distance of achieving liberty on some issues, it went to achieving liberty on no issues. Okay. I do appreciate that, man. Thanks for addressing that. Dave, we've given Eric some extra opportunity to respond to that question. So I have a question for Josh, and then Eric can can also respond to it as well. And then I know we are we're coming up close on time. But I wanna I know we've talked a lot about messaging already tonight. Both of you have talked about it extensively, but I want to hit it one more time because I think it's incredibly important. There is a style. Uh, forming in the Libertarian Party, um, not just in the Mises Caucus, but I think it is it is concentrated there that is flashy, that is bold, that is in your face, and it offends some people. But many of us think it is the only way uh, to, to send a message, and it is the only way that a Libertarian candidate or a Libertarian message will stand out uh, as we move forward. 
So Josh, um, and you can answer first. Eric, you're, you're welcome to answer as well. well. We'll just stick a couple minutes on the clock for each of you. Should the LNC be scared of using bold messaging, of using uh, an, an in-your-face approach? I think of um, some recent Dan Smots videos. Um, should the LNC fear uh, using a message like that in this political climate? This was a serious question for me. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear you both answer. Of it. course not. Of course not. I, if I was uh, if I was the chair of the party, I would put I would put Dan Smots on paid staff uh, as as our uh, minister of propaganda. I mean, that's that's the truth. Uh, we need we need to be pushing that. And, and I, uh, you know, this all wraps back. And I could wrap this into my total closing statement. This all wraps back up into my opening statement. Uh, we need to hit the eighteen to twenty five year old demographic. So in ten years from now, uh, when they're thirty five, when they're they're twenty eight to thirty five, um, they're they're in the party. They're entrenched in the party. They've culturally uh, aligned themselves with the Libertarian Party. That's the only way we're ever going to be successful. We can't we can't keep. Uh, we can't keep relating to to the DC and coastal elite. Those people don't care about us. They don't give a shit. We need to be brash. We need to be loud and bold. And uh, and yes, people like Dan Smots and Dave Casey, uh, you know, be be the assholes they are, um, because that's really what I've seen culturally um, in the in the ten years or so, or what since two thousand and eight that I've been working in politics. That's really what works. And 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 you know, you can hate the man all you want, but. Look what Donald Trump did. He came out swinging and he won the presidency as a, as a dark horse candidate. I mean, that's what people want today. They're, they're tired of the same old stuff, shirt bullshit. They're done with it. They need, we need to be loud. We need to be bold. And, uh, and people like Dan Smots are exactly who we need uh, uh, to be working for the party and, and putting our messaging out. And, and I promise you that in my next term on the LNC, as vice chair, I will do everything in my power to make sure that Dan Smots videos get out from our main hub. Eric, should the LNC fear this emerging uh, bold style of of conveying messages, or should um, or should they move forward with it and vote in its favor? No, I mean, they should not be afraid in any way, shape, or form. Uh, however, the the messages should be targeted and they should be tailored. We have an ability to target messages like we've never had the ability to target messages before uh, using technology, and we should be using that aspect. Um, What works bold in one area isn't what's going to work as bold in another area. Uh, I want to see our candidates be much more bold and and brave and and all of that. but uh, yeah, no, I, we should never be afraid of, of, of the principle. We have to sell it properly, but never afraid. Thank you. Cool. Guys, I think uh, we should maybe do some closing statements and then call it one. I know Josh has a second gig after this, making moves, going yeah. on the, the Dude Reed Coverdale show. Everybody just roll on over there afterwards and go check that out. Um, but is that okay? Can we move on to closing statements and then we'll get on out of here? Who's, got, who's up first? I got eight, I got eight minutes, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I did opening statements. So Josh, you start off with closing statements. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, you know, I feel I feel like this uh, this debate is really more for the Mises Caucus than it is for the LP. Uh, obviously, we touched on a lot of a lot of Mises Caucus stuff here. Um, of course, it's hosted by two Mises Caucus members, and there's tons of Mises Caucus in the chat. Um, I, I made myself very clear uh, over the last five years with what I expect and what I want to do. I've laid out blueprint after blueprint for how I think we can be successful. I've shown that it's worked. You know, um, in the two years that I was the number one recruiter before Tom and, and Dave joined and took over uh, recruiting with their links, I had a personalized link. I was able to track my my recruitment at the national level, um, not so much at the state level, but I know I brought at least a thousand new state members in as well. Um, I was I was the number one recruiter for a reason, um, and and uh, I've shown that it's works. I've shown that my blueprint works. I've shown that uh, not being afraid to to talk about the the scary stuff that's going on in the world, uh, bra- proudly and, and bravely and boldly uh, works. Um, and and I'm going to do that from the vice chair position. Uh, you know, I, I I understand that some people think that position might should be a purse holding position and a, and an admin position and an operations position, but that's simply just not what it is. It's not historically what it's ever been. Um, and yes, that position supports the chair and whatever that chair would like to do, um, but the vice chair has other roles as well. And so, um, I I think that I've put in the time. I think that I've shown that my blueprint works uh, successfully, and I ask that you come to Reno and vote for me. If not, at least come to Reno and have a beer with me. I look forward to talking to everybody soon, man. A couple weeks, and I'm bringing the family, so I'm excited to see you guys. Thank you, Josh. Eric? Absolutely. And Josh, we had a beer in Florida. We'll have, or a drink in Florida. We'll have one in Reno, too, and I look forward to that because. Even though we're, we're running against each other, I'm still proud to call you my friend. Same, same buddy. Same. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, the reason you should vote for me is because I'm going to be the bridge builder. Uh, I can reach outside of the Mises Caucus. I can reach inside the Mises Caucus. Uh, I'm, I've been a member for years. Uh, Josh brought me into the Mises Caucus. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm also willing to work and have worked with people outside of the caucus. As far as the vision of what the vice chair is going to be, I've worked with Angela on this, and she wants to make sure that every single member on the LNC has lightened the load on, on individual members and having clear definitions on what each position is. <clears throat> the the chair is going to embody a CEO position. The vice chair is going to uh, embody the COO position. Uh, the treasurer is going to operate as a CFO. We're going to make sure that all of our staffing needs are met and that they are fully supported to make sure that they do the job that they can do. We're going to make sure internal programming, internal programs are benefiting the members. And if there's holes in those programs, making sure that we fill them in. We're in the middle of developing an amazing training and development program to get more affiliates off the ground than ever before, uh, and it's really exciting. We're developing a structure to create single-issue groups. Uh, the old parties have used it very successfully to bring people and to retain people into their parties. Everybody has a single liberty issue, and reaching people where they are and introducing them to other ideas of liberty and how liberty can truly make their lives better is the key and bringing them ultimately into the party. 
but everyone has that at least one liberty issue, and that's where we have to start those conversations. The word libertarian can be very scary, but if we meet them where they are, with these single-issue groups, we can bring more people into the party than ever before. What do I see for the LNC of the future? Well, there's a lot of things. First of all, we need to be better with communication. We need to be better with the reports and the information that we're putting out. Right now, there's we're very good at putting out spreadsheets, but that information isn't digestible. It isn't actionable in any shape or form. It just isn't. And if we aren't using that information, we aren't going to make a difference within the party. Marketing and bold messaging. We need to make sure that we are marketing to the people that are listening and those are the disaffected in the middle. It needs to be bold, but it needs to be targeted and tailored to the individuals who are listening to it because the disaffected middle in, in the state of New York is much different than the disaffected middle in the middle of Iowa. So we have to make sure that we have a principle and strong message that is targeted and tailored to the individuals who are consuming it. We need to make sure that we know that our members matter. The LNC has disregarded membership issues very badly in the last couple of years, in the last couple of terms. Our members are our donors. They're our candidates. They're our party administrators. And they're our activists. This is our greatest resource, and we're squandering it. We need to institute better recognition and better empowerment of our members. And that is absolutely key to the success of the Libertarian Party. So when in Reno, I ask that you support me as your next vice chair. And I thank you. Thank, thank you. you, man. Cool, guys. Um, that about wraps it up, right, Amy? I think so. Thank you both so yeah. much for spending this time with us tonight. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate it. And, and guys, I just want to let you know... Um, I think that you're both doing a really great job, and I think that it's cool. This is a good problem to have where, uh, you know, if the caucus gets big enough, we're just we're going to have things like this that come up in every election from here on out. We're just, we should have good people running. And uh, Eric, man, I enjoy your diplomatic spirit and your way that you can work with everybody. And Josh, I love the way that you are a hammer that smashes shit when it needs to be smashed. So, um, yeah. Uh, Josh, as I told you, man, if you remember, I met you guys both uh, for the first time in Boston uh, a yep. few months ago where you were both going to bat for us. Um, but yeah, what did I tell you right then, man? Me and you and Heiss, we sat down and I, you were looking for support. He was looking the other way. And you both looked at me and I was like, you know what? I can't vote for the, who just the caucus says or my buddy. N neither one of those is cool. So that's why that this was important to me. Um, and uh yeah, I just want to say I, I wish you guys both the best, and you're crushing it, and I really appreciate you being here, and best of luck to you. We'll see you in Reno, and uh, we'll hang out again soon. Can't wait to see you guys in Reno, man. Thank you so much. And thank you yeah, to everybody who showed up to watch. And thank you for hosting this, too. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you both. And from LPD, thank you both for your support with everything that has gone on in the last year. Of course. Yeah, Absolutely. We, it's we do appreciate it. Amy, you are the best. Thanks for uh, running the show tonight. I do appreciate it. We're going to uh, go ahead and call it one for the day. Yeah, Thank go guys. on, go check out Josh Smith. He's going to be on uh, Reed Coverdale in about one and a half minutes. But uh, yeah, I'll be back next week with uh, 
with my dude Dan, and we'll talk about the news and do the damn thing. But uh, yeah, I do really appreciate you guys being here, and uh, we will see you soon. All right, peace. Now that the smoke's gone.